Swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. You can't get a do-over on the first seven games of the season, but the beauty of being early in the baseball season is that the Mariners have 155 games to get things in order. So drawing conclusions off of what we've seen over the first week of games, tough to do. Obviously, it has not gone to plan. I think a lot of us kind of expected the Mariners to come out of the gates hot. That's what they did in their opener, shutting out the Cleveland Guardians in Game 1, all thanks to Luis Castillo's amazing performance, which he followed up in his second start, shutting out the Angels in five and two-thirds innings pitch. He has been as advertised. Julio Rodriguez has been as advertised. Ty France has been as advertised. The the main contributors, the guys who you had pointed to prior to this season, they're the ones delivering right now over the season's first week. Now, finding where the other guys in this lineup, that's going to be the tough thing. That's going to be the most important thing over the course of this road trip, which begins tomorrow in Cleveland and caps off in Chicago against the Cubs at Wrigley Field. Curtis Rogers with you here on Extra Innings. That's right. We are back for another season of some late-night Mariners coverage on off nights. I am so excited to be with you tonight, and I'll be with you next week and the week after that, and uh, I'll be with you at least once a week pretty much for the rest of the baseball season, maybe even a couple times a week depending on how the schedule shakes out. But we have got a lot to get to tonight as we are officially a week into the Major League Baseball season. It was a week ago that the Mariners set sail on this 2023 season, winning that game, a 3 nothing game against the Cleveland Guardians, the team that they will face tomorrow at Progressive feel but we have got so much in store tonight uh guest galore surprise special guest brandon gustin is back for another season of extra innings he'll join me in less than 15 minutes that's coming your way at about 7 15 also we have got jordan schusterman of Cespedes Family Barbecue, one of the incredible content creators in all of baseball. You can hear his podcast, SiriusXM. You can read his work at FoxSports.com. He is kind enough to join me uh, starting off the 8 p.m. hour. And then also Gary Hill of the Mariners Radio Network. He'll stop by at 8.30 tonight. So we have got plenty in store for you uh, over the next couple hours here on Mariners Extra Innings. We'll also take a listen to some conversations we heard earlier today on Seattle Sports about this Mariners ball club. Jerry DePoto, Mariners general manager, he joined Brock and Salk earlier today. Bob Nightingale, one of the premier columnists in all of Major League Baseball from USA Today, he joined Bump and Stacy. So we'll take a listen to some of those conversations and what those baseball minds had to say about this team. Jerry DePoto, with plenty of comments made about this team earlier today, uh, some very direct, some very much, uh, you know, look, he, he he's not satisfied, I think, with the 2-5 and five start. And who, who among us is? You know, you want to get off on the right foot there's no do-overs over the course of the first seven games but conversely you don't want to overdo it you don't want to course correct too much where you're pressing where you are getting in your head and this two and five start turns into two and seven start which then turns into a three and eight start which turns into you know a four and ten start you don't want that to happen you don't want that to happen at all but I look at it like this the Mariners off to 
you know, a start that we all wish was better. But you look on the opposite side of the spectrum, the Tampa Bay Rays are 6-0 and to start this year. Now, obviously, you would take a 6-0 and start over a 2-5 and start. That's uh, ridiculous to say otherwise. But what's more real? A team winning every single game in, an, in a baseball season or a team riding the ship after a 2-5 and start? What's more likely to happen? I feel like it's more likely for a team to shake off a 2-5 and five start rather than win all 162 games. The Rays are going to lose eventually. That's just how baseball is. Now, maybe they you know rattle off 100-plus wins this season, have one of the best seasons in franchise history. They're off to a great start. If they want to do that, you couldn't ask for a better start to the season. But what's real and what's not early on in this season, that's one thing that is so hard to decipher because we just have so little to go off of over the course of, of not just games here in Seattle, but across Major League Baseball. Uh, the Astros themselves, they've struggled to start this season. I believe they're 3-4 and four to start the 2023 season. So just a game better than what the Mariners are. That's the team who we've all kind of pinpointed and said, that's who the Mariners need to be chasing. They, need, they don't need to concern themselves with anybody else across Major League Baseball. It is them and the Astros in the AL West. Well, now hold on a minute because the Texas Rangers have gotten off to a good start and the LA Angels have gotten off to a good start. And those two teams made significant additions in the offseason to compete with the Mariners, to compete with the Astros, and, and to get back into this AL West race. Now, of those two teams, who are you concerning yourself with the most? I still think the Angels are, are probably a more dangerous team than the Rangers simply because you have two MVPs in the middle of your lineup. Uh, and one of those MVPs also happens to be not just one of the game's best hitters, but also one of the game's best pitchers in Shohei Otani. Uh, we'll get into his free agency coming up later on in this show. Um, but that's that's why a week into this season, I just look at where the Mariners are at 2-5, and five, and it, it is so hard to just sit here and say, well, there goes the season. Because as we learned last year, 29-39 and 39 was not the death sentence we all thought it was. I was among those who who thought, you know, oh well, the the sky is falling. This team, you know, ten games under five hundred in the month of June. How are they going to dig themselves out of this? It doesn't seem like it's very possible that this team makes a playoff push. And we're in June already, and, and people were already, you know, saying that this team is done. Uh, if there's anything we learned from the 2022 season, then there were plenty of things. It's that no bad start can go unfixed like you can have bad starts in baseball to your season and you still have plenty of time I think at the time of the Mariners uh, turnaround last year when they were 29 and 39 they still had over 100 games left to play I believe they finished the season what 61 and 33 after that they played 28 games above 500 the rest of the way now Obviously, you don't want to put yourself in too big of a hole because then you're going to have to to climb out even further. You do not want to do that. You want to stop the bleeding, and they got Logan Gilbert going on the mound tomorrow who had a very good start against Cleveland his last time out on Saturday, only allowed the one run uh, on the home run to Josh Naylor. So there is a possibility that Logan Gilbert has more success coming up in his second start of the season. And oh, by the way, in the month of April – I mean, he only has one April to go off of. One April and one start to go off of, but he was American League Pitcher of the Month in last year's month of April of 2022. This year, he only allows one run in his first start. I believe he is 
combined between the two seasons allowed just two runs in the month of April. So Logan Gilbert has gotten off to great starts in years past, and this year has been more of that after his first outing against these very same Cleveland Guardians. So tomorrow I look at this Mariners team going up against Cleveland. It's their opening day at Progressive Field. It's it's their chance to remember the American League Central champion team from last season. They've got a lot of good things going for them, but again, this Mariners team and this Cleveland team, outside of the one game they played uh, last week where Cleveland you know, ran away with things in a 9-4 to victory, all the games were close. Sunday's game, very close. Went to extra innings. Uh, if it wasn't for the Cal Raleigh throwing error, who knows how that game turns out. And, and winning these close games has been the Mariners' M.O. And, and unfortunately, to start this season, they have not done so. They have not been able to flip that switch late in games and, and come away with the late-inning victories. They haven't been able to do that so far. But that has been the bread and butter of this team over the last couple of seasons. That has been how they've made their hay. And if you're going to do it, if you're going to continue to play that way, uh, a team like Cleveland that matches up uh, very nicely for the Mariners, I think, a team that plays a very similar brand of baseball, uh, this is the series to get it done. This is the series to to turn that corner and, and to plant your flag and say, hey, we are not going to take this start any further we're going to write this thing and we're going to go into into Chicago next week with some momentum and take advantage of a, of a Cubs team that is clearly in a rebuild. They are not uh, threatening anybody in that National League Central race. When we return on Mariners Extra Innings, we have got so much in store for you tonight. Uh, I'm really excited to, to welcome in all of, all of the guests that we've got. We've got Jordan Schusterman of Cespedes Family Barbecue and Fox Sports. We've got Gary Hill coming up at 830. Those two are coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, Schusterman at 8, Gary at 8.30. But up next, surprise special guest, Brandon Gustafson, a mainstay of Extra Innings. He joins me right here on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. Welcome back into Extra Innings, hour number one. And coming up later in the show, we've got Jordan Schusterman of Cespedes Barbecue. We've got Gary Hill of the Mariners Radio Network. But right now, I'm joined by a surprise special guest. People were clamoring to have this guy on in season two of Extra Innings. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. It's Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. Brandon, we we were such a legendary duo in the 2022 season. I, I couldn't help but... But come your way for you know, 2023. Well, well, you know, Curtis, they, the Mariners have a 100% playoff rate in years that <laughs> Curtis Rogers and Brandon Gustafson team up on extra innings. It's so true. Got to keep that going. It is true. And, and Brandon, I really appreciate you joining me here in studio this evening. And uh, rough homestand for the Mariners. I, I mean, you can't really say anything else but that. You never, you never want to go 2-5 and five on a homestand, even if it is just the first one of the regular season. But uh, what did you make of just the whole homestand in general? I, the series finale was kind of a game that last year maybe they win more often than not. Uh, we've seen their offense look, you know, great in one game where they put up 11 on the board, and in others they didn't score a single run, especially <laughs> that game against Cleveland last Saturday. Right. So much to take away from this, but what was your biggest takeaway? Well, it, as far as the the lineup goes, I mean, as far as like two negative takeaways, one has to do with the lineup. 
The top four in their lineup uh, from yesterday's game is Julio Rodriguez, Ty France, Eugenio Suarez, Cal Raleigh. And those are really the only four that are kind of doing anything at the plate so far. They've combined for 65% of Seattle's hits so far. Those four are hitting a combined 324. Everybody else is hitting a buck 38. <laughs> Although other nine guys on Seattle's 26 man roster that are hitters are hitting a combined 138. And those nine have 10 RBIs. And nine of those, came, Curtis, came during that win over the Angels with Teoscar <laughs> Hernandez and A.J. Pollock driving in those runs with the with both of them having multi-homer games. So that's a big problem. Uh, on the other side, on the mound, they're walking too many guys, namely in the bullpen. They're one of the worst teams in MLB in walk rate right now issued. Their bullpen's walking like almost six guys per nine innings. That's just not going to cut it. They were able to pitch around it a little bit. Matt Brash walking Otani and Trout, for instance, yesterday. But you're just giving too many opportunities. Matt Festa, for instance, over the weekend walks a guy, or is is on Monday against the Angels, walks a guy, turns it over for the top of the order, gets punished for it. So those are just some things that we don't really see them do. We didn't see them do a lot last year, and you're right. Yesterday's game is one of those close games we're used to them winning. So hopefully that's able to turn starting tomorrow in Cleveland and kind of get right there before series against the Cubs and come home against the Rockies. But just not really characteristic Mariners baseball for what we've seen the last two years. Definitely not. Scott Service alluded to that in his postgame comments yesterday. Jerry Depoto also kind of talked about that too with uh, Brock and Salk earlier today on Seattle Sports and and Jerry Depoto very direct in his comments I felt today uh, we'll play a little bit of those later on in extra innings here tonight but uh, what did what did you make of what Jerry had to say this morning because he he seemed like uh, you know obviously you can't take a lot from a week's worth of games to start the season but he didn't seem too pleased with with a lot of things that happened. Yeah, I mean, when when you're looking at the Mariners, the number one thing that you're going to hear from them is control the zone, and that's that's on both sides. That's that's controlling the zone as a pitcher, attacking, throwing strikes, quality strikes, obviously, uh, and and then expanding the zone from there. And at the plate, it's it's hammering pitches in the zone and not chasing, not swinging at balls, not getting out of your approach, and really. They're not working walks at the plate. They're striking out a lot. And then on the mound, they're just, again, like I said, they're issuing too many free passes. And 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 some of that will come naturally. I mean, some guys just start off slower than others at the plate especially. I think on the mound is where it's a little more frustrating because this is a team that's predicated on strong pitching as well as strong defense. And those were two things that kind of eluded them in that Cleveland series in particular. I think they did ultimately have some better at-bats in the Angels series, even though they weren't able to cash in as much as they probably would have liked to yesterday. They did drive Otani up to 111. They got him into 20 or so pitches basically an inning. Uh, He was just able to kind of make enough adjustments towards the end to get through, but they had him on the ropes a few times. So those are some things that hopefully they're able to carry over. And again, if they get one, maybe two more guys kind of hitting hitting their baseball card numbers, for instance, like a Teoscar Hernandez or a Colton Wong or just somebody else, A.J. Pollock, to, to combine with those top four guys in the lineup. More runs will come, but again, you're facing a good Cleveland team, very good pitching Cleveland team again this weekend, so it's not really going to come easy for them right away. Definitely not. And uh, one of the good things about this upcoming series against Cleveland is uh, you're not unfamiliar with them. You just saw them in your yard uh, just a few days <laughs> ago. Right. So not, hardly anything they can do over this weekend is going to take the Mariners by surprise. But uh, when you saw Cleveland play this Mariners team, uh, taking three of four from them in the opening series, uh, what is it that, that they have done so well, not just in, in that opening series, but last year too? Because 
they kind of burst onto the scene in that American League Central. Well, they're they're a really good hitting team in a very different way than the Mariners are because the Mariners are a team that they're they're going to strike out, but they're going to work their walks and they're going to hit a lot of home runs, and that's that's. Scott Service has talked about that. Jerry Depoto has talked about that. That's kind of how their offense is built. Cleveland has a few big guys in the middle of their lineup. Josh Bell, Jose Ramirez is one of the best and most underrated players in baseball. But they're a team that does not strike out a lot. They put the ball in play a lot. They really force the force the issue. They force action. They're active on the base pass. They were even active on the base pass last year before these new rules came in that kind of made stealing bases even more of a priority for teams. So when you're giving Cleveland extra opportunities through walks, through errors, like we saw a few times over this past weekend, they're going to eat that up. They're not going to punish you in the way that the Astros punish you with that, where they're going to hit the ball out of the ballpark or get some huge hit, but they're going to get a single up the middle. They're going to, they're going to work a walk. They're going to take an extra base on you. They're, they're going to try to steal on you um, against one of your relievers late in the game and try to get into scoring positions. So that's what Cleveland does really well in conjunction with really good pitching and, Terry Francona is a great manager, and they were one of the youngest teams in baseball last year. They surprised a lot of people by winning that division, and they were a game away from the American League Championship Series. I think that's the thing a lot of Mariner fans forget about Cleveland is they made it just as far as the Mariners did as far as the ALDS last year, but they were a single game away from facing Houston in that series instead of New York. Uh, they, they are a very good ball club in their own right, and uh, they certainly showed that to open the season against the Mariners. Brandon Gustin of SeattleSports.com joining me here on Extra Innings. And Brandon, one player that obviously a lot of Mariners fans have their eye on at the start of the season is Jared Kelnick uh, for good reason because he has been one of the most high prospects in their system for quite some time. Uh, Came up with a ton of fanfare in the 2021 season. Didn't live up to that. Last year there was hope that maybe he'd figured everything out. That didn't happen. Uh, We're seeing him get off to a slow start again this season. How long of a ramp up do you do you think they're going to give him this season? Because uh, the last couple of years they gave him plenty of at bats. He has over 500 at bats in his major league career. But do you expect it to be as as long of a leash as they've given him over the last couple of seasons? Probably not. They're 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 in such win now mode, and I think just obviously in their ideal world that Jared does kind of hit the ground running hasn't happened yet. Uh, Taylor Trammell being hurt might help Kelnick a little bit because he's probably that next left-handed outfield bat that they would call up to to use in a corner outfield situation. Uh, Cade Marlowe still hasn't made his debut, and obviously he got banged up at, towards the end of spring training. Uh, what does help the Mariners potentially if, if Kelnick continues to struggle is you have a switch hitter in Sam Haggerty who can play the outfield. Dylan Morris getting closer and closer to returning. He can play the outfield, and yeah, he's a right-handed hitter, but he's at least somebody else to to have as an option out there. AJ Pollock had a, has had some good at bats, I think, so far. He he really only has the two home runs to show for it, but he's hit the ball pretty hard. So if he's someone that shows he can hit against right-handed pitching again, which he has done in his career outside of last year, he's someone who could be an everyday guy. And then you're really just kind of looking for your DH option instead of a left field option. But uh, yeah, I don't think Kelnick can or should expect to have as long of a leash as he probably got these last two years. I think the good is that you're seeing him use the whole field. You're seeing him work deep into counts, but I think it would stand a reason for him to maybe try to be a little more aggressive. He, he's he's in a lot of counts where it's 0-1, 1-2, 0-2, uh, and he's just a little behind, and he's you know he's fighting for his life at that point, just trying to just trying to get something to hit. And a lot of times it's not coming, still striking out too much. So maybe this series against Cleveland, try to go out, see if he can be a little bit more aggressive in those counts because again the the strikeout numbers are just way too high. Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com here in studio. And Brandon, I'll end on this last one. 
Uh, I know we all expected Luis Castillo to be great. Oh my gosh! Uh, but he has been downright <laughs> filthy to Need start a cold this shower after watching those two. <laughs> yeah, how how how? What are you seeing from him to start the season? He's only allowed three hits in about twelve innings. Were twelve of innings of work. It's just absurd to see him right now. Yeah, I mean, the stuff is phenomenal. It all starts with the fastball. He's got ridiculous life and ride on that fastball. The sinker, uh, any given day, he can have the change up the slider going for him, too. So it, it just makes it so hard because he's a true four-pitch guy, and even if he doesn't have all four of those pitches, he probably still has two or three of them, and that just makes life so hard as a hitter. Uh, he's he's in full attack mode. He's not walking guys. He's not messing around. And what really impressed me, Curtis, was opening day was obviously phenomenal. He allowed the one hit, which was the hard line drive that kind of hit off the side of his head, retires the next, what, nine guys that he faced after that or something like that. But I, honestly, that start on Tuesday was almost more impressive because they're riding a four-game losing streak at that point. And yeah, they end up losing yesterday on Wednesday. But a guy like Luis Castillo, that's how you prevent those three, four-game losing streaks from becoming eight, nine games is is just playing stopper, stopping the bleeding at least a little bit. He did that and more. He gave them five and two-thirds, just quality innings, again, attacking the zone. He was going right after Trout, going right after Otani with just electric stuff. So that sort of thing is, is super important, especially if the Mariners do continue to kind of get off to a slow start. You at least know that every five days you're going to get something special from Luis Castillo that's really going to keep you in that game and give you an excellent chance to win. And speaking of quality innings, it's always quality on extra innings to have <laughs> that's right brandon gustison stop by brandon really appreciate you joining us uh what do you guys got going on at seattlesports.com yeah john week? schneider show aired today so we're, we're gonna be rolling with that obviously we're full in draft season right now and uh seattle cracking on the verge of the playoffs so we're hoping that, that we're hoping that gets done tonight and uh if that's the case you're gonna read a lot about it over the next few days on seattlesports.com brandon gustison of seattlesports.com kind enough to join me in studio brandon We'll have to do it again, maybe. We will do this again very soon. All right. Still to come in Hour 1 of Extra Innings, Bob Nightingale, USA Today baseball columnist. He stopped by. Bump and Stacy shared his thoughts on Major League Baseball's first week of action, including how he sees the Mariners faring in the AL West this season. But up next, Ryan Roland-Smith joined me on yesterday's postgame show. We take a listen to that conversation. What did he make of Chris Flexen's first start of the year? And how do they bounce back from this 2-5 and five start that's coming your way next? Curtis Rogers with you until 9 p.m. here on Extra Innings. You are listening to Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. Coming up in about less than 15 minutes, Bob Nightingale of USA Today. He joined our very own Bump and Stacey earlier on Thursday. We'll take a listen to that conversation, what he had to say about these Mariners and about the AL West race, how he kind of sees it shaping up in the 2023 season. But yesterday on the postgame show, we uh, Ryan Roland Smith and myself, we talked about sort of going from that bullpen role into the starting rotation the way Chris Flexen has this season following Robbie Ray's injury and him being placed on the injured list, kind of getting Ryan's perspective on that as he did that a few times during his career. We also got into J.P. Crawford, uh, how his bat kind of performs better late in games, uh, but ultimately looking at Flexen's performance from yesterday, here's what Ryan had to say. Yeah, it looked like it took a little bit of time to settle in those first couple innings. The, the one pitch, and, and I was watching as the game went on, because we've seen this a lot, it's kind of that little equalizer he has, is that cut fastball. And I think early on, it was in, in 2-0, counts a ton, and that cutter was just kind of hanging out over the play, good batting practice 
um, you know, velocity on it. Then all of a sudden he's getting in better accounts and that pitch was a little bit sharper. He had that good extension on it as the game went on again. But sometimes I know he's a starting pitcher. I know he's been a starting pitcher his whole time in a Mariners uniform. But you go into spring training with the mindset of, of saying, you know what, I'm going to be in the bullpen. I, I kind of can foresee this. The Mariners, even though they say they're going to stretch me out, doesn't matter. You go into opening day thinking, okay, who knows what's going to happen throughout the season if I do get a start. Obviously, he's gunning for the, uh, a spot in that rotation. And just like that, boom, he gets thrust into the into the rotation. So believe it or not, there is a little bit of that adjustment period and not so much physically, not so much the fact he needs to be stretched out. He only went five. There's some limitations there. But, but from a mindset standpoint. So I think that once he got a couple innings in and all that kind of washes away, he got back to being the same Chris Flexen we've seen in the last couple of years. So I thought he looked great. Um, Got, you know, got out of that jam in the first inning, which was massive. And then when he gets that fastball and cut fastball combo happening, especially when you can throw that pitch and fastball counts, man, he, he is tough. Yeah, he was throwing a lot of first pitch strikes today too. Uh, and then you mentioned that first inning, Ryan, where he walked to Trout and Otani, put runners on first and second. Uh, you know, potential danger there as the cleanup hitter Hunter Renfro steps to the dish, settles down, strikes out Renfro, and then strikes out Brandon Drury. Uh, I mean, that was a big moment for him in that game, obviously, because, you know, it's the first inning. It's your first start of the season. You're walking a couple of guys. That's not the foot you want to get off on, but uh, settled down and was able to keep the Mariners uh, in that one in the first inning and, and held the uh, the Angels scoreless. Yeah, I mean, he made some big pitches, but I, I even think even, you know, second and third even, he still didn't have that the same, you know, feel and that same lateness. On I talk about that cutter a lot because that's, that's a big change. If you take that cutter out of the equation with him, man, he, he would have some battles on his hands. But the fact he can get off the barrel, kind of like Savali, Savali we saw last uh, week with the um, with the Cleveland Guardians, same kind of thing where he gets off that barrel just enough and he can go to that pitch in certain counts. But he just didn't quite have that feel for it early. But like I said, like it, it can be a couple out on the field, get your heart rate up, go back in the dugout, back on the field. That mindset, where you've spent all day waiting, or all morning, excuse me, waiting for that start, the day prior to it, leading up to it. But like I said, man, it, it can be just a little bit of an adjustment to, ha- to, ma- to make that start for him, even though he's been doing his whole career. And so I think that we're, once he settles in, I think you go five days from now when they're on, out, out on the road, he's going to be the same Chris Flexen. And, man, what, what a luxury to have him in the bullpen or you know, on standby because what we saw from Robbie Ray hitting the hitting the IL. Now, Ryan, I, I, we've got the good in Chris Flexen today, but unfortunately, early on in this game, the Mariners' uh, troubles in driving runners on, or driving runners in, especially runners in scoring position, reared their ugly heads in the first three innings. They stranded six runners in total, including the bases loaded. In that third inning, we've heard Jerry Depoto in the past talking about the difference between table setters and and. Uh, how did he put it? Table clearers versus table setters. When yeah. you look at a lineup like the Mariners right now, uh, who needs to be those table clearers? Because it feels like Julio can be that kind of guy, but he's also in a spot where he's batting leadoff, so he needs to be on base. Uh, it feels like yeah. Ty France can, needs to be a table clearer, but again, he's only got Julio batting in front of him. Who, where do these table clearers need to come from? Well, first of all, I think and he's starting to have – you know, some, some better swings and better swing decisions. But you look at 
Chiosco Hernandez, obviously, right, with that, that power bat in the middle of the lineup. And it's a really good question. And one thing, you know, when, when you watch a game like, like this, and they had a ton of offense yesterday, which was great, and Tioska came out and, and had a big night. But you look at a game like this, you're facing Shohei Otani, and you have, and to your point, you have some big opportunities early. He did not have the same sharpness we saw at the end of the game. You know, when you talk about inning four, five, and six, with that, especially with that slider as well. He had that slower slider. He was throwing a bunch of them. He was missing with it early. He's kind of getting frustrated, getting in some deep counts. That's where you really have to put your foot on the gas because you don't, you just simply don't get those opportunities facing a guy like that. Especially once they get settled in, you can let him get away with certain at bats. As they start to feel it and they start to, just like we talked about with Chris Flexen, it gets tougher and tougher. But in this lineup, looking at it, you know, you've got Cal Rowley who's hitting in the four hole right now. Eugenio Suarez looks good. I think that Cal, I think he's going to, you know, start to have better at bats. We start to see better swing decisions and able to, to fight off some tough pitches. But I think the big one here, and this is not going to last, Teoscar Hernandez. Once he gets a good feel for it and you start seeing that ball backspin off his bat in the middle of the lineup, it just makes everything so much tougher for whoever they're facing on the mound. So I think once he gets going, Colton Wong, they're trying to figure out where in the lineup they, they, they put him. Obviously, he started up the, the, in the two-hole. Now he's hitting right behind Teoscar Hernandez. So there is just a little bit of that, that flat section here where you want it to be the thump, and that's in the middle of the lineup. So I, I, I think these guys are going get, to get it going, but I think it starts with Teoscar in the middle there. Well, and I mean, gosh, Teoscar got it going yesterday, so hopefully uh, that is a sign of things to come. Uh, hopefully he is able to keep it going at the uh, just in that middle part of the lineup for the Mariners. He's Ryan Roland-Smith. I'm Curtis Rogers here on the postgame show. And Ryan, a, a guy who I, I don't think gets enough credit for his late-inning uh, batting is J.P. Crawford because if you look at his numbers – from the sixth inning on a year ago, he hit 345 in the sixth inning, 300 in the seventh inning, fell down to 190 in the eighth inning, but 302 in the ninth inning. That's three of four late inning situations where J.P. Crawford is is hitting really well. Uh, and then today he gets the single in the ninth inning. What is it about him where like late in the game, all of a sudden he turns into one of the best hitters in this lineup? Yeah, I mean, I can't put my finger on it. I don't think anyone really can. I think coming from him and, and just, you know, from a guy who early in the game, you know, you, again, not saying that there's, there's weaker contact. I just think that later in the game when, when, it, when, the, when the moment is big and he knows that he has the ability to recognize pitches, if you have someone who has that good play discipline, and I think when, when JP's really, you know, on his game, when he really feels comfortable at the plate, you see those deep at-bats and you see him putting good contact, even on pitches he's fouling off, then he will draw a walk or he'll you know, hit something in the left field. And a lot of those at-bats come later in the game where all of a sudden you know that you have to, you have to make the most out of every at-bat. So I think there could be some correlation there and you, and you sort of ask yourself, well, why can't he drag that kind of approach into the first inning as well? But, you know, look, some guys too, man. Some guys need, and I've talked to guys, hitters who – they come back in the dugout. They're like, man, I just, I just need pitches to see. I need live pitches from this guy at this moment. This, you know, with the, with, with this cloud cover, whatever it may be. I just need a good six, seven, eight pitches to see before I feel like I can really get dialed in on my swing. So he, he could be one of those guys, but it, it's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to figure out why those at bat number three and four are so much better for, out of him than some of those numbers you rattled off. Because usually, man, it's tougher late in the game because you're facing some reliever who's just going to throw you 80% sliders with throwing 100 out of the bullpen. 
Yeah, and uh, you're facing a guy who you haven't seen all game, especially after going uh, up against a guy who's probably not throwing 100 miles an hour earlier in the game for sure. Ryan, you kind of were – you at times during your playing career, you kind of found yourself in a role similar to Chris Flexen where you were yeah. in the bullpen, you were in the starting rotation. Flexen obviously gets the news that Robbie Gray is going to the I.L., what is that like when you're kind of pressed into duty the way Flexion is, where you enter into a season or enter into, you know, just any time you're up in the big league roster, knowing that your role is going to be this, and then all of a sudden it changes uh, rather quickly. What is it like going from one role to another uh, in that in that pitching staff? Well, it all, honestly, it all comes down to mindset. Guys are a little bit different. I think Chris Flexen, you know, for me it was if I took a, you know, bullpen mentality into starts, that's when I was at my best. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'm going to go as hard as I can. I'm going to just you know, empty the tank from inning number one all the way through. I'm going, to, I'm going to face every hitter like it's my last hitter. And I'll probably run out of gas in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning. But I'm just going to go as hard as I can for as long as I can stay out here. When I had that mentality, when I, and usually that was around the time where I'd make that transition from, you know, bullpen you know, into a starting role. Man, that, that's when I was really at my best. I think Chris Flexen, he's a little different obviously, to me, I think, because you know, he had that good success over in, in Korea. He found something that works for him in his process. You know, he's a guy that can spend those four days. You know, he, I used to get super anxious, like crazy. I used to freak out two nights before I couldn't get any sleep thinking about that start, get really nervous and everything else. But, you know, I, I embraced that as much as I could. So it, it, can, it can be tough, I think, for him when you get that news. And I... I I want to make this clear. This has nothing to do with Robbie Ray, but when you're a guy like Chris Flexen, you've earned a spot as a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball because you've had the success. You're you're in a situation where you've established yourself and that's your role. Then all of a sudden you find yourself in a bullpen that's come opening day. Then you find out, you see someone go down, you find out you're the guy. As much as it sucks to watch your teammate have to go through that on an individual level, you're thinking, okay, here we go. This is my chance. This is my platform here to prove that I've earned this spot and this is my spot. So sometimes it can come with a little extra pressure. And that's what I was talking about early in, in today, that first second inning. He probably feels like, you know what? I They've given me this. I've banged down on the door probably all winter long say, hey, I want to be a starting pitcher. I want to be in this rotation. And in spring training, now you have to go prove it. So there's that extra little bit of pressure, even though he probably won't admit that. He's pretty... Uh, yeah, he's not the, the, the most uh, telltale guy when it comes to how he's emotionally feeling about it. But it is a good feeling, man. When you want to be a starting pitcher as bad as he does and you've earned that and then you get that chance to do it, it, it's, it, it feels good. And you want to go out and just absolutely you know, blow the doors off it. And make sure you're tuning into Ryan Roland Smith, not only on the Mariners postgame show this year, but also doing weekly appearances with Wyman and Bob in the afternoons and bumping Stacy Thursdays at 11. When we return on Mariners Extra Innings, Bob Nightingale sat down with Bump and Stacy earlier today. What did he have to say about these Mariners? We take a listen to that next. This is Extra Innings. You're listening to Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. Just wanted to say thank you so much for making Mariners Extra Innings a part of your Thursday night here on Seattle Sports. Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, we are jam-packed. We've got Jordan Schusterman of Fox Sports, Cespedes Barbecue, Sirius XM. He's everywhere. He joins me to start off the hour. We've got Gary Hill of the Mariners Radio Network. We will take a listen to Jerry DePoto's conversation, a portion of it that he had earlier today on Seattle Sports with Brock and Salk. 
A jam-packed hour of Mariners talk coming your way in the 8 p.m. hour. But let's get to what Bob Nightingale of USA Today, longtime columnist for them, what he had to say today to Bump and Stacy about the Mariners and also just about fans of, of teams that maybe have not gotten off to the best start here in 2023, if he understands why some fans may already be uh, maybe pulling their hair out a little bit. Oh, sure. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, it was you know, six, seven games in the uh, midsummer. Nobody cares. But now it's a situation where, you know, every game looks so big, but it's not, not an NFL season, it's just a, uh, a baseball season. So it takes some time. Bob, when you look at uh, this team, the moves they made during the offseason, they made or didn't make, um, what were your expectations or what are your expectations for the Mariners coming into the season? Well, expectations are that they should compete for the division title. I mean, obviously Houston, you know, once again, is still the team to beat. Yeah, and they got off to a slow start, too. And uh, so it's certainly a, a wild card berth. And, I mean, you know, I spent the uh, first week in the season in Houston, and they're still talking about how the Astros, I mean, um, the Mariners gave them bits. Obviously, the Mariners could have won all three of those games. And uh, in the way the the way the Astros marched to the playoffs, you know, it could have been the Mariners doing that. So certainly they're uh, well-respected and highly regarded. Uh, when we're looking at the rest of the AL West here, all offseason, we've had our eyes on the Astros. And the entire question, because of obviously the ending to the ALDS, has been how do you catch up to Houston? But the Rangers look pretty good coming out of the gate, swinging with a series against the Phillies. The Angels just took a series against the Seattle Mariners. How do you see the AL West kind of stacking up? What were your preseason projections? Yeah, preseason projections were just the two teams to make it, same as last year, Houston, Seattle, in that order. Uh, Texas improved. The Angels have, have improved as well. So we'll see if they, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much depth Texas has. They certainly have a lot more firepower than they used to, so they could cut, cause some damage. Uh, the Angels have a lot more depth. So I think they'll be more of a, uh, a factor. I don't see them making the playoffs, mm-hmm. but I think they'll certainly be more more competitive. Yeah, there's you know, there's no reason why you know Seattle's you know can't be in the playoffs once again, you know, with Houston. We watch um we have the privilege of watching Castillo over here do his thing. Um when you watch him, what stands out to you the most? What makes him so great? Yeah, I mean I saw him do that in Cincinnati and it's amazing all the uh the starting pitchers that got moved at the trade deadline. I mean, he's by far the best. You know, no one's even close. So I mean, this guy's a Cy Young candidate. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, back in the day with the King Felix and before that, Randy Johnson, but just that, uh, that stud guy and, uh, and certainly a, a guy that, you know, people, people fear, uh, he, he's that good and there's no reason why, you know, he won't be, uh, you know, a, a starting pitcher at the all-star game here in, in Seattle in July. Kind of looking around MLB, mixing in some of these stories with the Mariners as well, since we almost have like, with only seven games, you kind of got to talk about some other teams as you kind of keep your eye around the rest of the league. And I have my eye on the Rays. They have some great pitching right now, a great start to the season, whether it was Wander Franco uh, in the first couple games. And they've got a pitcher out there, so good. Uh, what have you seen from uh, from Tampa Bay? Just that starting pitching has been so good. And uh, several several scouts and baseball executives this spring so watch out for Tampa. And they were, they were predicting that the Yankees might only be the third best team in the division. Uh, just wait with the Toronto, you know, Blue Jays are uh, how much young talent they have. But Tampa used to use those openers and everything else because they didn't have enough starting pitching. Mm-hmm. Well, now they do have those starters. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a dangerous team. Uh, you know, they're always in the playoffs. They're always, 
you know, exceeding expectations, I think, because their payroll is always so low. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're as dangerous as ever. Now, we had some rule changes this year, and um, the biggest one for us was the shift because we had some, uh, some lefties that were amongst the most, most shifted against last year. Have you seen or felt any changes? Or is there a number you can look at that says, all right, that's a direct result of the shift, or do we have to treat the rules like we're treating the Mariners? It's too early to kind of see anything and make um, any conclusions. Yeah, I don't think we'll see much of a difference with the shift for batting average. And the reason I say that, I know in the uh, – in the minor leagues, it really made no difference at all when, when they banned the shift. I mean, you can still, you know, you can still shift. You just can't have the exaggerated shift. And, uh, you know, so I, I think even the, the right-handed hitters, you know, they'll, they'll probably get uh, some fewer fewer hits because of, uh, uh, of what was happening, because um, people were able to shift on them too. So I think the batting averages will be about the same. It does seem like the ball is flying more for home runs. Uh, but the big thing I think is just give me stolen bases. I think those young athletic mm-hmm. teams, the young athletic players, will steal a whole lot more bases than they're than they used to. Hey, um, Bob, we're talking with Bob Nightingale right now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. I have a kind of like more like existential question, which is about how long you hang on to someone. So the Seattle Mariners, as you know, have Jared Kelnick acquired in that trade with the Mets with Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz. And he was one of the top prospects for a while, the top prospect before Julio surpassed him in Seattle's system. And he's very young still, just 23, but is also only one option remaining. He's had chances. It hasn't quite worked out. Um, how do you see the situation and how long do you keep trying with a prospect before eventually you just have to say it's not working? Well, I think it's probably a make or break year for him in Seattle. I think that's, you know, if he doesn't have a, a, a big season or take a, a, a big step forward, then they say, you know what, let's move him to a team, you know, that maybe a uh, new expectations and just give him uh, fresh scenery. It's tough. You know, like you said, he's just 23 years old. He had the great spring, which got people excited, but spring training, spring training, you know, when it counts, uh, that's what, you know, you're hoping that confidence would go over to the regular season. And maybe it has, I mean, certainly a better start than he's had in the last couple of years, but I think because expectations were so high on him, people almost, you know, looking for, uh, Julio Rodriguez numbers yeah, and, yeah. you know, and that's not, that's not going to happen. The, uh, the Mariners passed on acquiring one of the high profile shortstops this offseason and decided to roll with, uh, with JP Crawford. And so far, he's been doing all right at the plate and defensively. Um, when you look at JP, I always thought, oh, I thought going into the season, Bob, that um, a lot of pressure's on him. Uh, they're going to say they don't listen to the media, they don't uh, pay attention to tabloids or whatnot. Uh, but I refuse to believe that, man. I felt like JP needs to have a good season for, um, for the Mariners to take that next step, amongst other guys. When you look at JP and what he brings to the team, um, what's a good season for him, and do you think he's capable? Yeah, no, I, I think there are a lot of high expectations and probably pressure on him since all those shortstops were available. Uh, you know, where they, where they could have gone after a, uh, a Correa. I don't think Trey, Tur- Trey Turner wasn't going to go there. He wanted to go back east. Certainly, Dansby Swanson was out there to be had uh, before the Cubs grabbed him. So no, I think there's some pressure. Uh, he's certainly capable of having a, uh, you know, a big year. I mean, we know that, you know, Philadelphia kind of gave up on him, uh, but I, you know, I, I think he, uh, you know, should be a, a steady, steady player. And uh, that certainly showed all the belief in him by saying, you know what, we trust you and everything else. We're not going to grab a shortstop. You're our guy. No one, nobody wanted to believe it until you know the freezing period was over.
Hey, while you're on here, I want to fit in some other kind of like national perspective questions. Um, Weirdly, I'm going to the Mets, which don't really affect the Mariners too much, but I find them to be a fascinating team. I mean, Steve Cohen stirring the pot, spending all this money, making some people mad. Um, They've ran into some injuries earlier, including obviously the loss of Edwin Diaz, which is huge. Do you still see them as kind of like the contender over there? You know, I, I really don't. I, I just think they got kind of uh, overrated because mm. uh, of the money spent. You know, pretty much they just bought everybody back, yeah. except for Verlander, yeah. and, you know, and, and replaced you know, Jacob DeGrom when they lost. I still think they're the third best team in the division. I think Atlanta is still the clear-cut favorite in the division, and, uh, and Philadelphia is awfully good, too. So uh, the National League is a beast. I, I would better be in the American League than the National League, you know, this yeah. year, just because I think there's so many powers. We're talking about the three teams in the East, uh, you know, Milwaukee and St. Louis in the Central, and then the West with the uh, Dodgers and Padres. You know, that, that American League is loaded. One of the dreams over here in Seattle is to acquire Shoya Tani after this year. Uh, what do you think the chances are that the Mariners are really in the market for a player like Shoya Otani, or you think that um, he's looking for more glitz and glamour with another organization? No, I, I definitely think Seattle's in play for him. I really do. Uh, you know, I, I think he definitely wants to stay West Coast. So I think it's, you know, I think the Padres are the co-favorites. But I don't rule out the Giants or, or Seattle either, uh, you know, staying out West. I think the sleeper might be uh, or the dark horse would be the Chicago Cubs, just because he was on their list last time. But uh, he didn't want any part of New York his yeah. first time around. He's such a home buddy too, so he doesn't like the glitz and glamour stuff. I mean, he just uh, stays in his room and everything else, uh, room service, and does his own thing. Rarely goes out. So uh, uh, a place like Seattle, you know, <laughs> I think you'd love to go to a place like Seattle. So he just wants to win. I think you know, covering the World Baseball Classic. You know, those guys that such a fun time, particularly him, he's just not going to have a taste of winning and yeah. what it's like. I, I, I want I, I want in a regular season. There are a few times in my life I thought I would relate to Shohei Otani, but him hanging out in his room and ordering food, like, sign me up. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> just, me too, Shohei. Uh, I want to stick on this topic for just a second because I know so many Mariners fans are holding out hope that that, that kind of addition is coming next year. You mentioned him wanting to be with a winner. What do you think Seattle has working in its favor? Because they're not going to outspend some of the other teams, especially the Padres. What do they have working in their favor in terms of trying to woo him to the Pacific Northwest? Well, I think just the fact that he plays them, you know, 18, I mean, 13 times now. Mm-hmm. So he's used to the city. He knows what it's about. I think, uh, you know, his love for uh, each row, you, you know, saw him running across the field to go say hello, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So I just think, you know, as long as you win, it's a young, uh, young, talented team, a team that looks good, it's going to, you know, win for a while. Then why not? And he's obviously used to the, uh, you know, used to American League, you know, used to American League hitters. So at least then he doesn't have to get acclimated if he went over to the uh, you know Padres or Dodgers or something like that. How big is Julio going to be when it comes to luring free agents like Shohei Otani hmm. to the Mariners next year? Now, got a ball out this year, understand that, but just looking forward. You know, I think big in the sense that you have a uh, a young super, superstar who's tied up. So it's not like, okay, in four or five years, uh, I think I'll let him go. Who am I going to be surrounded with? So I think the fact that that team is so young and, a, you know, a guy like him is you know, young and going to be around for the next decade, I think it's a big uh, uh, selling point. And I also think, you know, 
if I'm Seattle fans, I roll up the red carpet for him at the All-Star game in July and kind of do a, do the recruiting pitch, give him staying ovations wherever he goes to make sure you know what, if you come here, we're going to do the same thing for you as long as you're wearing that Marion uniform. You can download that interview of Bob Nightingale with Bump and Stacy. Click on the podcast page at seattlesports.com. That's where you can also go to download this show, Extra Innings. You can also download it on the Seattle Sports app. Make sure you're downloading it. Available on all Android and Apple devices. Coming up next, Jordan Schusterman, Cespedes Family Barbecue. Also Fox Sports, also SiriusXM. He's everywhere, and he's right here on Extra Innings. Coming up after the break, you're listening on the Mariners Radio Network in Seattle Sports.